Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Hope it's a payday. You're able to get out and go do some cool things for you this weekend. If you're a bi-weekly wage runner, maybe get it your week. Maybe you got bills to pay. You know, maybe you get paid on the 1st and 15th. Either way, I hope it is a fruitful and productive weekend for you. Listen, guys, go ahead and prepare. Go ahead and start getting this stuff together here. Get your honeydew list together because, I, again, I expect us to play football. I don't know how much football we'll get in. don't know who all is going to play. don't know if we're going to be able to go to the games. Don't know if we go to the games, how close we're going to be able to sit to each other. Don't know how many people are going to be in the press box. Anything of that. Nothing. But we're moving one step at a time. I'm going to talk a little more about that later in the show. If you haven't done so, let me encourage you to go to Alpha Dogs the Book right now. AlphaDogsTheBook.com and pre-order your copies. It's payday, right? Go ahead and treat yourself. Great stories of Mississippi State. Victories told from the vantage point of those who lived through them. Today, I mentioned on Twitter and on Facebook about uh, Jerry's Norwood. One of the stories that uh, made the book that I thought would you, you all would find mighty interesting, and for those of you young folks, maybe you, you weren't allowed to remember this, but Jerry's Norwood was one of the most highly recruited players in the history of the state of Mississippi. Five-star player. In the end, it bowled down to state and Ole Miss, and in the middle of all of that... Governor Ronnie Musgrove, former Mississippi State Governor Ronnie Musgrove, uh, brought Jarius Norwood to an Ole Miss football game in the limousine, and he was able to sit in the governor's box. And, of course, Ronnie Musgrove being a booster of the University of Mississippi, that was a problem. And so, you know, back in those days, you know, Jarius didn't talk about that sort of stuff, and before you know it, he was on campus and – you know, of course, the Mississippi State didn't want him talking about those sorts of things. So the story kind of went away. There was an NCAA self-report filed. And so it was a matter of NCAA legislation and protocol. So, but I wanted to know, hey, what really happened with all that? How did all that come to be? Did you know that it was wrong? What did you make of all that? And so Jerry talks about that. Now, he also talked a lot about the 2005 Egg Bowl. Most of you remember Jarius Norwood was having a great game and had to be helped from the field, and some thought he was injured and would not return. He goes to the locker room, gets some IV fluids, and comes back. And when he came back to the field and started running, the place goes nuts. And then we win the ball game 35-14. Jarius takes you through all that. Takes you through his experiences at Mississippi State. If there was ever a young man who was born to play at Mississippi State, it's probably Jarius Norwood. J-Rock, a good man, a good bulldog. Very honored to help tell his story. That's one of the many chapters you'll find in Alpha Dogs. Again, so go to alphadogsthebook.com. Go ahead and pre-order your copies. Yesterday, I teased that uh, Rafael Palmero talked about why he chose Mississippi State over Miami. A lot to unpack. And so, I, you know, listen, I saved some other big names for another Mississippi State book here in the next couple of years. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, it's not going to be next year. I wrote two books in 15 months. I don't know that I've got another full uh, book of that magnitude in me for a while. I do plan to publish, believe it or not, a book of poetry in the spring. And people hear that and they think, Steve, really poetry? Yes, 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 it's true. And so that'll be out in the spring. But I'm going to enjoy the Alpha Dogs ride, and, and I hope that you will, uh, will join that ride with me. Uh, very excited about this, and listen, I'm, I'm gonna go. We'll get to it once the book is uh, has been released. But there are some, there's a couple of really controversial things that are in the book, and uh, my agent thinks that uh, one of the documents that we released uh, might lead to some um, trouble in the streets. I don't know that I share that, but I will admit that it is very significant, and it was very surprising to me. But uh, you'll have to see for yourself. There are some documents that uh, were made available to me. And uh, there were more documents than I could use. And so some of them kind of repeated the same things. But I, but I put those documents in the book. They're published for the first time. And uh, I suspect that there will be some pretty stiff reaction to that. 
uh, on both sides. And so, I, I'm, again, as we get once the book is released, once it's in stores, we'll talk more about that. But you can pre-order today, and, and I'm going to sign every personal, every copy. And so, like, if you need, like, if you want to get a birthday gift for somebody and say, "Hey, listen, hey, this is for you know, my uncle Joe, great bulldog," I'll do that. I'll write whatever you want within reason. Some people ask sometimes for, you know, some silly stuff. But by and large, I do it. You know, I don't do any profanity or anything like that. Some people, believe it or not, pe- some people request that. It's just weird. Uh, to each their own. But uh, I was raised in South Mississippi. My mom brought me to church every uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So I'm not going to print profanity in the book. So at least not on the front page. <laughs> so anyway, go check it out. And uh, listen, and at that same, that link, that Alpha Dogs, the book link, will bring you to all of the books that I have written, and you will be able to order those. There are some people that are playing catch-up. I've had some people reach out in recent days and say, Hey, Steve, do I need to read Stark Villains to be able to understand Alpha Dogs? And the answer to that question is no. These stories kind of stand on their own. They're written chronologically. And while this is kind of a series of books about the Mississippi State story, it is not you know, built upon the, the previous book. So you, you don't have to go back and read Stark Villains, but you should. You should read it, because I think if you love Stark Villains, you're going to even love Alpha Dogs even more. There's a lot of stuff in there that, um, you know, really kind of see in light for the first time. And that those are exciting things. And again, I guess because I have been somewhat um, desensitized to a lot of things. There are other, When I share things with other people, they're like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, well, I mean, I, I, you know, I guess when you've gone through what I've gone through the last few years, um, you know, some things kind of pale by comparison, if you know what I'm saying. And so it's like, you know, some of that stuff, other people read it and they think, I can't believe this. And I think, well, okay, you know, we did do all the old Miss stuff too. You know, we had a bunch of open record stuff. And people forget that I actually went to court with that. That's one of those things sometimes I kind of scratch my head about. You know, I've had some people, and there's some things that I can't talk about right now. And there's some things that are being worked on, not not related to any future controversy. Let me go ahead and let, there are some, anyway, there's a couple of projects that I've been contacted about. And uh, I'll have more information about that as things develop. You know, and there are some things you have to sign. Sometimes you got to sign documents where you don't disclose things. And so, but as I can, I will share with you. But there's a couple of things that are kind of exciting. And, uh. I'm looking forward to that, kind of seeing what kind of develops from all that. Because you never know what's going to show up in your inbox. I mean, you just you never know who's interested in talking to you. And so there's a couple things that uh, that I think you guys will find of interest. But it's like when those things happen, you know, there are things, again, because I have lived through all of this, you know, it's been a part of my daily life for so long, you know, you forget, oh, yeah, that happened. And it's just like the whole thing about the open records law. You know, the fact that uh, I had people from around the country. I didn't know. Maybe you maybe you guys are smarter than me. But there are, like, message boards and groups and, you know, I guess Facebook groups. There are these open records junkies. There are people that this is what they do. It's kind of a hobby for them. They kind of push transparency. And and so I had some of those people contact me when, uh, when I filed the open records request against Ole Miss, and of course they uh, they declined to give me the documents that I requested, even though I was legally entitled to have them. So I took them before the State Ethics Commission and won, and then it was appealed to the Hines County Chancery Court, and I won. Then it went all the way to the State Supreme Court, and before the Supreme Court could issue a ruling, uh, one of Ole Miss's own leaked the, the documents online, which uh, rendered the entire argument moot. So when you're living in the moment through all that, you know, there's a little bit of anxiety, I guess. But once it's passed and you kind of have a chance to look back at it and say, you know what, that, that's pretty wild. I mean, in hindsight, it's wild. But when you're in the throes of battle, when you're in the middle of all that, when somebody says, no, we're not going to give you this, all you think about is the next move. And it's okay, well, th- listen, I- I'm legally entitled to this stuff, so I want it. Oh, we're not going to give it to you. Okay, well, cool. Well, I'll just go ahead and file a complaint here. And we'll go to court. Now, knowing what I know now, I probably would just skip, skip the State Ethics Commission process and go ahead and file the lawsuit. And at the time it ever comes, we'll just do that. You know, you live and learn. But, uh, you know, there's some things to, you know, with all of that, that when you've been through it, you kind of lose, I guess, a sense of appreciation for it. You know what I'm saying? It's like because it's, you know, it's just been a part of my life for so long, 
when those things, you know, people bring that up to me and they're like, dude, I can't believe this happened. And then I almost have to remind myself, oh, yeah, that, that did happen. Yeah, well, that, yeah, it was cool, you know. But, um, yeah, when you're in the middle of all of it, it's a day-to-day deal, and it's such a grind. I, I remember every, just about every single day that I walked to the mailbox for probably six months, uh, I expected to get some, you know, law, letter from some lawyer. And then I started getting letters from lawyers, but it was crazy. They all wanted to represent me. You know, there were all these people that said, hey, I think this is wrong. We want to represent you in this and this and, you know. And what was crazy about that is a lot of those people were all miseducated lawyers. And so, you know, they're all Miss fans and they want to represent me in this case. And, you know, I thought that it was all just kind of silly, you know. But I've got a great lawyer. Matter of fact, I've got a couple. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot through all this. And so look forward for you guys having a chance to enjoy the new book. It's not all controversy, okay? And, and listen, when all this stuff kind of bubbles up, I always tell people, listen, I really don't want any drama. And that was one of the best things about Stark Villains is that it was just a good news book. This is a good news book, too. But there are some things in there, you know, some letters and some documents that have never been made public before that are awfully sensitive. And I think some people are going to react very emotionally to that. So so there you go. There's a little bit of a tease, I guess. But I'm not just a tease. I do deliver. All right? So you can look forward to that. Again, it's alphadogsabook.com. I want to thank our good friends, Bulldog Burger Company. And uh, listen, I, I, had, I got a testimonial just yesterday. I had somebody, and it's regularly, but somebody messaged me and said, Steve, listen, we had to move our daughter to campus uh, this week. And uh, we don't get to Starkville very often. We went up there and decided to take her to lunch, went to Bulldog Burger Company. So we weren't sure what to expect. You know, it's move-in week, and so it's busy, and everybody in town is trying to go grab lunch. And you, know, you got social distancing, so you got limited capacity. And said, hey, you know, we went in there, and we were able to get in within a few minutes. It was a, a slight wait, but they handled it really well. We got in there as soon as we get in. They've got our drink order to us, and they've got our menus in front of us, and we're ordering food. Our appetizer was served pretty soon, spring rolls. And, uh, hey, we were able to enjoy a meal and kind of get in, on, in and out of there. You know, they didn't rush us in and out, but you know, we were able to kind of get things done. And, and so, number one, Jeff, thanks for the testimonial and thanks for frequenting Bulldog Burger Company. And I'm not the least bit surprised to hear that the folks at Bulldog Burger Company kind of rose to the occasion during move-in week because sometimes it gets kind of busy. These people are under, they understand they know what it takes being a popular restaurant uh, to kind of get people in and out and let them eat. And so... Uh, listen, you can go enjoy a great meal there right here in Starkville on University Drive or on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Again, I encourage you to have the spring rolls. But go find your own favorites. If you want a great restaurant-quality hamburger, there's just no better place to go. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, let's take an inventory of where we are. The first thing, there is the possibility, and I say it's kind of a slight possibility, that the SEC schedule could be released late today. But I am told it will likely happen early next week. And some would say, well, Steve, what's the delay here? Well, you know, I don't know all the moving pieces behind that. But I know this, is that if we're going to play 10 games, it's 5-5, five and five, right? 5 home, 5 road. And uh, Mississippi State should get some relief from that murderer's row of October that was on the previous schedule. And one of the things that I've been told is basically everything you knew about the order of the previous schedule, you can kind of throw that out because they've got to move some things around uh, to kind of get everybody settled. Because, again, you know, it's pretty simple the way it all breaks down. It's everybody's got five road games and five home games, um, but it's just a matter of the order. What's the order going to be? Will you ever be on the road two weeks in a row? Will we be home two weeks in a row? Those are things that are all being figured out. And listen, the TV's a part of this. You know that as well as I do. You know, TV is always a factor in these decisions when you're, when you're setting schedules. So, slight possibility you get that today, more than likely next week. Now, listen, I know the Big 12 came out. And of course, they make their decision and come right back and say, okay, here's our schedule. Not only are we ready to play, hey, boys, here's when you're playing and where. I respect it. I don't think anything less of the SEC because the Big 12 was out there. But I think that was kind of, uh, you know, chicken soup for the soul brothers i mean it's like you know they not only did they make the decision it's like they they came out the next day and kind of doubled down and made us all feel like okay listen we're moving ahead here now some of you have brought some criticisms up and a lot of you guys that get in my mentions and listen i appreciate that Uh, people bring things to my attention they dm it to me or they tag me in a post and say hey steve you've seen this and a lot of times i have 
And uh, but sometimes I haven't. And uh, somebody shared with me yesterday that Michigan State's going to have intramural sports and Ohio State, and that's that. It boggles the mind to think that that is going to take place. So we remove the varsity component from it, and then we're okay for guys to play. And then there are those, of course, that come back and say, "Well, you know." They're just playing against each other. Well, you know, what, what difference does that make? Students who were not going to be tested regularly, who were going to be in and out of bars and in and out of apartment complexes and going to house parties all over, they're going to be exposed. And let, let's be honest, okay? And I, I don't mean this in necessarily a romantic or a sexual way, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But interactions between college students are often very intimate. And what I mean by that is they're close. You know, they're sitting on the couch together to play an Xbox or going to parties. They're in each other's face. They're smoking. They're drinking. Uh, they're having a good time. They're piling, you know, sometimes 20, 25 people in a living room to sit around and watch movies. I mean, you know, this, you remember what it's like to be a college kid. You know, as you get a little bit older, you kind of want your space. You know, I don't like people all up on me. I don't even like going to the gas station and having somebody crowd me at the, at the register. But it's different. You know, when you're young, you're different. You're invincible and you think it won't happen to you. But also, too, I mean, it's just, you know, there's just something, the naivety of youth in many respects is a good thing. You know, they're out celebrating, living their lives, but they're going to be in close quarters. So when you're older and let's say you're in a protected group, you know, listen, my mom goes to shopping once a week and she would go less if she could. She's just not real big on this whole uh, online grocery shopping deal. But, uh, you know, the, the only time she leaves the house all week is to go shopping and then to go to church. That's it. And for a while, they were watching online for church. But that's all they do. And I, I even think that my parents probably social distance in the residence. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is, is putting on a helmet and shoulder pads. It's not going to make college kids more susceptible to a virus. Now, I'm no infectious disease expert by any stretch, but I got a little common sense. And so if college kids who are going to spread infection from time to time because of the proximity of each other, if they're going to play flag football, why can't they play regular football? If they can play intramural basketball, why can't they play college basketball? And some would say, well, Steve, there's an economic component. You know, here's the deal. If a university sponsors an activity that causes harm to somebody, then the university would be liable. And so it just, the whole thing smacks of hypocrisy that you're not going to let Michigan, Michigan State play each other in an intercollegiate football game, but you will let, you know, the, uh, you know, the fraternity leagues play uh, football, especially considering that the participants in those intramural games are not going through the same testing and treatment protocols or supervised by the same medical professionals that your Division I athlete would be. It makes no sense to me. And so you know, either play or don't play. But, but here's the thing, and I think it's important, and I, I thought about this today as I was kind of getting the show together. Listen, it's time for us to kind of move on from assigning motive, okay, because the Big Ten, Pac-12, they're not going to play. I don't think they ever intended to play. I think they just kind of played along as long as they could, and then once they got onto the precipice of the beginning of fall camp, they're like, hey, well, there's no point in us going out there and – going through all of this if we don't expect to play. And then now they're even practicing, which is ludicrous. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter why. It doesn't even matter who. It doesn't matter who made the decision. It doesn't matter who's driving the bus. What matters is what, and that is that they're not going to play football this year. Now, they might look really silly in the end, and that's the first thing that everybody, the first thing that everybody jumps to is, all oh, you know, listen, you know, we're the ones that have it right. We're the ones that are based in reality. And so you guys are going to look dumb by playing. What if we play football and we have limited issues? Because we're going to have some issues. Okay, go ahead and be ready for that. And there will be some international media that are just waiting to pounce. 
They're just waiting for one kid to go to a ball game and they say, oh, well, they think he got it from the defensive back from Vanderbilt or whatever. They're just looking for that. It's just like, you know, we talk about majoring and minor things, just like Brett McMurphy tweeted out that I guess it was Boston College just conducted, what, six or 700 COVID tests of student athletes had one positive case, one, one positive test. But that doesn't move the needle, so it doesn't make the headlines. People don't want to read about safety. They want to read about death and destruction. What did Don Henley tell us? It's dirty laundry, baby. That's what sells. People want to read about other things happening in life. They say, well, you know, that's what moves the needle. That's what gets the click. They say, well, wait a minute. There's a player at Alabama that's suffering with COVID. Let's go read that instead of an article about, you know what? Alabama's only had one case. And uh, listen, I don't talk a lot about other people, um, you know, other members of the media in a negative light because I never know what everybody's motivations are. I don't pretend to. But I, you know, I remember a while back, and listen, Dan Walken, you know, I was in contact with Dan a lot uh, during you know, the flim-flam days and final, the, the final uh, days of the Hugh Freeze era at Ole Miss. We compared notes regularly. I hadn't been in contact with Dan in a, in a long time. And listen, I, you know, I, I don't agree with a lot of things that he believes about this. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not going to end a relationship over those kind of things. Again, I don't, I don't hear from Dan that often anymore. I'm, in fact, I can't remember the last time that I did. But we disagree largely on this. And uh, I know Mike Farrell from Rivals one time made a comment. He goes, you know, Dan, if we did 10 million tests, you would write an article about the one we didn't do. And I don't necessarily think that is just how Dan Wilkin is wired. I think that is kind of how news today is. That's why I hope that I bring you a little bit of a fresh breath of fresh air when you come here. I try to be even-handed about it, but let's be honest. There is no guarantee we are going to play. We have celebrated some good victories this week, but it will be interesting to see what happens between now and Labor Day. And I don't mean that, you know, that there's just there is something out there, there's some, you know, clandestine plot or something to make everybody kind of you know, rest easy, and then they're going to hit us with it in Labor Day. I think by that, by the time we get to Labor Day, we'll have an idea of what, what it's been like to kind of, you know, migrate all the students back to campus. And, and I'm just going to tell you, just sure as shooting, there's going to be somebody out there uh, that's going to go ahead and go 100% to online classes and close campuses and send students home. That's going to happen. Because not, not every leader interprets data the same way. And so when that happens, don't panic. Because you can always find something to be negative about. It doesn't take any effort because people are always pointing it out to you. It's just like when, you know, when, you know, the swag move football, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, I guess we're next. Well, you know, there's a lot of financial reasons for that, too. And I think the hope is, you know, that, hey, that a lot of this will be behind us, hopefully, by then. But what if, what if it's, we're basically facing the same consequences and same circumstances then, and then we've missed an opportunity to play in the fall? Yet the flip side of that is, is, you know, what happens if, you know what, this thing continues to trend downward and infections and hospitalizations continue to trend downward and we get into October and we're playing football with limited crowds, or no crowds for that matter, but we're playing football and we're doing okay. That's not to say that there's not going to be a positive test. There will be. Don't panic. But how silly will the Big Ten and the Pac-12 look then when their fans are saying, we could have been playing? Now, as I mentioned on Wednesday's show, wouldn't it be great if we end up having two seasons, right, just for this year, considering all we've lost this year? Is let's say we watch the SEC and the ACC and the Pac-12 play for a national championship, or Big 12, uh, because the, the playoff committee says that they're still going to do a 14 playoff. And let's say we have our, our season and then the Big 12, I mean, pardon me, I could, uh, forgive me, the Big 10 and the Pac-12, I might as well just start calling them the Corona Rogue Leagues, but um, then they play in the spring. And we have, you know, the SWAC teams, whatever. You know, we, we may have, fo- we may have fo- you know, six months of football. And then that'll make that offseason seem that much, uh, you know, easier to deal with. And that, that's a best-case scenario, if you ask me, is if we all play 
and then they play in the spring, then we, hey, we've got a lot of football to watch. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I think you know, that, that's the best case scenario. But I, I wouldn't want to be on the other end of this thing. You can say, well, you know, we're just being safe, and that's fair. But again, I think it's, you know, we are past the time to assign motive. You know, and I've read people said, hey, well, Steve, do you think Powers Warren's dad's going to come watch him play football this year? I don't, I don't know. And I think a lot of times people are being a little bit unfair to the kid. You know, Powers Warren's another player on the Mississippi State football team who just happens to be the son of a very powerful man in college football. Powers Warren, what's the old expression, you know, the sins of the father should not be rested upon the son or whatever, and I've seen it both ways. But you, know, you understand my point. And if Kevin Warren wants to come watch his kid play, then so be it. You know, he's got it. He's, again, sometimes I think, you know, Kevin Warren has kind of been put in, cast into a negative light when he is the commissioner of the Big Ten. It was not his decision. You know, he's the commissioner of athletics for that conference, but ultimately that decision is made by the university presidents. He just happens to be the guy that goes and answers questions before the media. And so give the kid a break. Understand, it's not his fault. It's not even his dad's fault. But his dad's being vilified just like it won't be Greg Sankey's decision. Now, Greg is going to be criticized or praised no matter what happens. But ultimately, he can't do anything without the vote of the league presidents. And so kind of understand that as you move forward. There's another thing that's been out there today. And listen, you know, you know Ross Dellinger's a Mississippi State guy. I like Ross a lot. Known Ross a while. Um, and so, you know, Ross puts out something today calling these the, the these candidates, these, pardon me, these conferences, the stubborn six. Uh, I disagree with that greatly and I think it also it's, it's we've we've reached the day in journalism and again this is not necessarily about Ross Dellinger so don't misunderstand uh, I think Ross does a good job I just disagree with him on this issue that doesn't mean that we're not friends anymore it's just like you know I've got tons of friends on my Facebook feed that are not going to vote the way that I am and they have so much to say I just ignore their comments and still appreciate their friendship so I disagree with Ross on this. And, uh, you know, he's, he's tweeted out some positive things, too. That gets lost in translation sometimes. People kind of latch on to the negative. I, I, sometimes I think maybe uh, the Ross Dellinger-Pad 40 deal has kind of influenced both of them. But be that as it may, I disagree with the stubborn six. What, what, how is that unbiased in any way? That's To me, that's advocating not to play. Why would you call them the stubborn six? I, I see it differently. I think these six conferences are trying to save college football and in, in some respects trying to save Americans. You know, we have not had a lot to cheer for this year. And if they're trying to find a way to play and they can try to find a way to play safely, it's not just about them. They're not just doing it for them. They're doing it for all of us. They're doing it for America. They're doing it for all those kids that have been sitting around waiting to see their favorite team play. That's the thing, you know, growing up in Mississippi, I couldn't wait for football season to start because, you know, you know, back in those days we didn't have near the coverage we had. But I remember saying, hey, you know, what does everybody look like now? Does John Bond still have the long hair? You know, I mean, it's – you couldn't wait for it. Those were my heroes when I was a kid. And so I couldn't wait to see them again. And even if it was just a picture in the newspaper, you know what? You, you young people today won't appreciate this. But, you know, when we were kids, if there was a picture of our favorite player in the newspaper, we cut it out and put it in a scrapbook. We cut it out and put it in a drawer some days because then we had a picture. We had a picture of our favorite player. You post it up on the wall like a poster. And that was one of the greatest gifts you ever got when you were a kid was posters. This is before, of course, I wallpapered my room with Motley Crue and Rat and everybody else. But, uh, you know, you, you get that schedule poster to begin the year, and, man, it was the best feeling in the world. And so there's a generation of young people out there today that, you know, they look at life a little differently, but their heroes wear the same uniform. And so those young people need to know that, you know, at some point this is going to be over. It might, it might be something we live with forever, but as far as all of the worry and you know, the loss of, of the things that we hold precious, that at some point, a lot of that will subside. 
I think no matter how old you are, there are a lot of us that probably need to feel that. It's the reminders of what we're dealing with are everywhere. You know, I took my kid's first day to school picture a couple days ago with him wearing the mask. And he said, hey, should I take the mask off? I said, no, leave it on. We'll document this. And one day you'll be able to go back and say, hey, this was the year we went to school during the global pandemic. But the reminders of the negative things in life and the possibility of death are everywhere. We need something to feel good about. There is only so much Netflix we can watch. There's only so many, you know, FaceTime sessions we can have with people before, you know, we, that's no longer enough. And so if they can safely play and they are taking steps to ensure that they, they can do that, that's what, that's what the next you know, few weeks are about, then we're going to play football. And it's not going to matter what somebody says in a tweet or in an article. It's going to be about reality. It won't be about a matter of opinion. It'll be about what, what's really happening. So rather than call them the stubborn six, why don't we call them the super six? Or the savior six? Or the sensational six? We can't call them Nikki six. That's already taken. If you know, you know. But there are so many, there, there's so much of this that it, it bothers me because of the fact it's one thing, okay, we're just doing our job and reporting the news. But when you cross the line and start calling them the stubborn six, and you know, I, I know we could spend that and say, well, you know, stubborn is sometimes a good thing. I don't think in this connotation it is. But don't let these people steal your joy. And, and, and I can tell you now, there's going to be so much. The first time we play a college football game, the uh, you know the group that's been labeled the Corona Bros. I'm sure their mentions are going to be filled with college football fans that are enjoying some irrational exuberance. That's going to reach out and hey guys, hate this for you. I'm so sorry this is happening. Yeah, that's, that's going to happen. And you know what? I, I I know most of those guys, and they're going to take it in stride. There're going to be others that won't. There're going to be some that'll take it in stride and say, hey, you know what? This is what I wanted all along, even though they're reporting today it may not indicate that. Uh, so be that as it may, we're kind of moving ahead. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but ABC News had an interview with Catherine O'Neill, who is an infectious disease expert, and she came out and said, and, and Cole Kublik has tweeted it out, it is a repeating video, where she says, canceling football does not cancel the possibility of them getting the virus. That's what's so interesting. You can, if you talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. But you've got somebody out here, a leading disease, infectious disease expert, saying, you know what, this, it's, but canceling football is not going to cancel the virus. And that's one of the things, too, that people say, well, you know, if, if they take it, if they play, and then somebody gets sick and has a little bit of a heart issue or a major heart issue, that's a problem. Okay, that's true, but they could get that same infection down at the post office. So we close the post office and say, well, you know, they're going to be in close contact or tackling each other, and that's true, but they're going to be tackling somebody that's been tested twice a week to ensure they're negative. But if we go to Walmart, they may stand by somebody who hasn't been uh, tested ever, who uh, wore their mask properly just to get in the building, and it's now dangling around their chin. So do we close Walmart? I'm asking. I'm just I'm asking. I'm just using their logic. Oh, and I, I can't tell you how many times I go somewhere and, and then the employees aren't wearing masks. I, I'm required to wear a mask to get in the building, and I wear mine in, firmly in place throughout my time there, and I see employees not wearing it. Listen, I, you hate to judge other people, but it's kind of like, you know what, hey, if i got to wear one to get into this joint, you better wear one when you're around me. But again, we're taking steps forward. It's not about the Big Ten. The Big Ten and Pac-12 are no longer the story. And so they need to go ahead and do whatever they're going to do. You know, continuing to interview them about college football is, uh, you know, it's, it's really disingenuous because now you're looking for a soundbite. Now you're looking for that viral story to kind of make everybody else look silly. Uh, let's focus on what is and focus on what's moving forward because, again, as I said Wednesday, I don't think it's fair for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 
to take their ball and go home and then yell out the window for the rest of us to stop playing. If you're done having fun, you go on to bed, young man. If you're looking to smell good, hawthorne.co, that's your, that's your one-stop shop right there. You can get body lotion. You can get a body wash. You get shampoo, conditioner, but, man, the cologne is the greatest. You get the work scent, the play scent. Both are fabulous. One's a little more, I don't know, a little more vibrant, shall we say. It's that Friday night feeling, guys. You, listen, you want to go out there and you want to stand out. Listen, and, and that's the thing, too, that I'll point out to you, too. You know, in a bar full of guys, you know, wearing Ralph Lauren's polo, you're going to stand out wearing this Hawthorne cologne that was handpicked for you. So go by, go to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Use promo code Boneyard to unlock some savings for yourself. And then uh, you take the two-minute quiz, okay? And I don't even think it takes two minutes. You answer their questions. They will pair you up with fragrances that fit your preferences. And I'm telling you, it is nobody ever told me how to buy cologne. I just kind of bought what was in Rolling Stone magazine, you know, or what I found out some girl really liked this. I liked the girl. I bought the cologne thinking it would help my chances. This is a different deal, okay? Use the science and the technology to help you find what works for you. And I'm telling you, it's the best cologne I've ever had, without question. I wear it every day whether I leave the house or not because I like the way I smell, and you will too. Again, that's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, promo code Boneyard. Okay, today's top ten list. Uh, I had so much reaction, man, from these, uh, you know, I guess there's some more people like me that uh, kind of enjoy reliving those 80s. Because the rock music from the 80s is timeless. Okay, there are a few bands from the 70s that are still kind of hanging on. And I got some friends right now that are saying, Steve, that's not true. Yes, it's true. Okay, it's true. But, uh, you know, with the dirt coming out from Motley Crue on Netflix, I think it's kind of rejuvenated, rejuvenated some interest in 80s rock. And so let's today, we're going to talk about a guy who is an icon in music. And uh, I want to give you a little backstory here. Uh, because the person, we're going to talk about Ozzy Osbourne today. Uh, we're going to do solo Ozzy stuff. This is kind of generated from a Facebook post I made yesterday. But when I was a kid, and you'll listen to Michael Jackson and, and uh, you know, Lionel Richie and, and all that sort of stuff, and not to say there's anything wrong with the music, but my tastes were still evolving. There was a kid in my neighborhood by the name of Mike Cook, and Mike was a couple years older than me, and, you know, Mike rode around on his 10-speed bike, and, you know, we... We all had our regular bikes, but Mike had a 10-speed bike, and uh, he had kind of pulled the handlebars up and everything, and he would ride around. He had this big boom box he'd throw around his shoulder, and he'd play Quiet Riot and Motley Crue and Ozzy Osbourne. And so Mike kind of turned me on to 80s metal. And uh, Mike was like a big brother to me, and uh, and really kind of our whole neighborhood, all of us young guys. Man, you know, Mike was a tough kid. Mike, you know, Mike was smoking at 13, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'm not advocating for that. Don't get me wrong. But Mike was very special to me. And uh, when I was in high school, Mike quit high school. He got, got his girlfriend pregnant, took a job working offshore, tried to do the right thing, and uh, had really kind of turned his life into something positive, I thought. thought he'd really grown up a lot. And then Mike died in a car accident. And, uh, and I think about Mike a lot. And a lot of times when I put on some of that 80s stuff, I remember, like if I put on Quiet Ride or something, I remember the first time I heard this song was with Mike Cook. And so I know all of you, have friends like that that died far too soon. And uh, Mike Cook was one of those for me. And so when that happened when I was a teenager, it made me realize that at some point I was going to die. And so it was a turning point for me. And I think back to that so many times, and I think, you know, I'm going to live as much as I can. I'm not going to spend my life just watching Netflix. I'm going to get out and do things. I want to do things that make difference for other people. I want to create things. And so, Mike, this is for you. This is uh, in honor and the memory of my great childhood friend, Mike Cook. And if, you, if you're from Columbia, Mississippi, if you've ever been to Columbia, Mike's dad, uh, Joe, on the restaurant, Joe's Seafood and Restaurant right there on the Highway 98 Bypass, uh, the best barbecue sandwiches I've ever eaten were Mr. Joe Cook's place. But Mike, wherever you are today, know that I love you and I miss you. So... Here, here's the Aussie list, and I, and I got a bunch of honorable mentions, and some of these, depending on what day you talk to me, um, could be in the top ten. But all but one Aussie album is represented on this list. Okay, so let me give you the honorable mentions first. Uh, Ultimate Sin 
which is one of my favorite Ozzy Osbourne albums. That title track, the percussion on it's great, the guitar on it's great, Jakey Lee, the greatest. Uh, Let Me Hear You Scream is kind of a more relative newer song in the catalog. It's a great one. Perry Mason, Zach Wilde is incredible on that song. Uh, it, the, the lyrics are kind of corny, but uh, the song absolutely rocks. You Can't Kill Rock and Roll, that goes all the way back, all the way back. A Diary of a Madman album. I Don't Know is another great one off Bark at the Moon. Rock and Roll Rebel, one of my favorites in the whole catalog. Probably could have put this in the top ten. Uh, one of the better guitar songs that doesn't get a lot of mention is also off that Ultimate Sin album. It's Killer of Giants. And uh, recently saw an interview with Jakey e. Lee, and he goes, that song is one of the ones he's most proud of his entire career. Miracle Man is the last of the honorable mentions. And I'll be honest with you, every time I hear this song now, I think of Hugh Freeze. Every single time. This, Ozzy Osbourne wrote the song about Jimmy Swagger, you know, because Jimmy had been such a... Uh, you know, I guess, you know, a fly in the ointment of heavy metal. And uh, and so when Jimmy kind of got his comeuppance, Ozzy took some uh, some liberties and had some fun at Jimmy's expense. Uh, Miracle Man, cold, pus- cold Busted. So I thought about Hugh Freeze. Now every time I hear it, I think about Hugh Freeze. Uh, and, and again, have no regrets from any of that. So, uh, so here are my top ten Ozzy songs. Number ten, Over the Mountain. Love it. It's one of those things from, from the very beginning, those opening bars, you, you, you know you're in for a ride. Number nine off of the No Rest for the Wicked album, Breaking All the Rules. And I love Randy Castilla's work on this album. But that whole, there's one spot in that song, there's right after the guitar solo, it's kind of an offbeat drum beat part where it almost feels like they missed it in the mix. Where it, it just, that one little thing has always bothered me, but I love the lyrics. Love the guitar. Number eight, I Don't Want to Stop. It's a more recent out song, probably in the last 10 years, 15 years. I love it. And uh, it's one of those inspirational songs to me when I hear it. Uh, to me, there are a lot of people that just stick with classic Ozzy. I think there are some great tunes in the, the, the second half of his catalog that are often overlooked. That's one of them. Number seven, Flying High Again. And that's a classic song. It's another, another one of the songs you know exactly who you're listening to as soon as you turn it on. Number six, and I think this is probably the best Zach Wild song, is Crazy Babies. Uh, wild, wild song, wild video. And I think it's when we first kind of fell in love with Zach Wild. You know, it's like all, there was always this, you know, I'm going to give you a little side here before I give you the, uh, the top five. So, you know, Zach joined, so you had Randy and then Jakey Lee, who was – arguably the most underrated guitar player in the world, not named Mick Mars. And then you're Zach Wild. So Zach was kind of the third guy. And I, I read an interview with him in Guitar Magazine uh, back in, I guess, 89 or so, 88, 89. And so he said he was the third luckiest guy in the world. And so that was great writing and great titling by Guitar Magazine because you thought, hey, the third luckiest guy in the world. Yeah, he's after Randy Rose and Jakey e. Lee. And so, no, and if you know anything about Zach Wild, you know his sense of humor is next level. Like, you see this rocker guy, and you think this guy's so serious. He is one, literally one of the funniest people on the planet. And so the end of the interview, they asked him, I said, well, who were the – so if you're the third luckiest guy in the world, who were the first two? In the interview, fully expected him to say Randy Rhodes and Jakey e. Lee because they got to be with Ozzy Osbourne. It wasn't. It was Pee Wee Herman and Dan Quayle. Those were the people that he said – were the number one and two luckiest people, and Dan Quayle being number one. Dan Quayle, the luckiest guy in the world, a guy kind of a nowhere politician that got to be vice president. So anyway, that's the story. All right, so number five for me off of uh, the No More Tears album, self-titled track, No More Tears. Uh, love, that's Mike Inez was still in the band then before he left to go to Allison Chains. Great tune. You should love it. Number four, and I have shared this with the people. I guess I need to put it in my will. Uh, I want the last song at my funeral to be see you on the other side uh Bozzy. i had a friend of mine that was murdered and um that was one of his favorite songs and at his funeral they played all these songs that had nothing to do with him or nothing to do with his life and so those of you that love me and i know that you do and i love you when 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 my time comes and i passed away whether it be tomorrow or 20 years from now or 100 years from now don't let them misrepresent me at my funeral. I, I want it to be a celebration of my life, and uh, 
I will see you on the other side. So that's um, that's special to me. So, uh, and number three for me, one of the greatest riffs in the history of rock and roll, Bark at the Moon. And a lot of people don't understand this. A lot of people misconstrued this and think this was a Randy Rhodes leftover song. They're wrong. Jakey e. Lee wrote this song and uh, doesn't get enough credit. I think I've said that before. It's true. Number two for me, and I know this is one that a lot of people aren't, aren't as crazy about. I absolutely love this song, love the video, love everything about it. The production value is great. The bass line is tremendous. This is, to me, this is when it was peak Ozzy Osbourne. When Ozzy ruled the world, that Ultimate Sin, Al- Ultimate Sin album was on the charts. And this song is Shot in the Dark. Love it. Love everything about it. Uh, put it on today. Jam some Ozzy. And number one, what else could it be? It's got to be Crazy Train, right? Without question. There's so many other great songs. And then people are saying, Steve, what about Goodbye Romance? Mr. Crowley and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I personally believe... That start to finish, the best two Ozzy albums, where there's no skips or no songs that I go, eh, are Bark at the Moon and Ultimate Sin. In my mind, the Jakey Lee years were the best Ozzy years. And listen, Randy Rhodes, technically a better guitar player than, than Jake, but the songs were simply better. Yeah, you've got some legendary tracks on Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman, but I think in their totality as albums, the Jakey e. Lee albums are the best Ozzy solo albums. There, I've said it. Somebody else needed to. All right. Campus Bookmart, they are your one-stop shop for Mississippi State merchandise. You can visit them right here today at campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Campus Bookmark, you can get this Mississippi State mask there. I know many of you ask in a Facebook group, and some people have said, well, I've got a mask now. You need as many as you can get, okay, because you need to wash those things, and sometimes you got to run out in a hurry, and maybe it's best to keep a, you know, a mask, an extra mask in the car. You can get loaded up with the Mississippi State mask, and so rather than wearing something bland, get something that fits your style. Get something that fits your personality. You can find that at campusbookmark.net. Stand the man, Miss Kathy Brown, everybody up there will treat you like family because you are to them. And again, outfit the home, the office, everything. I got so much stuff in my house in Campus Bookmart. And when I got ready to leave town to go meet my granddaughter, but the last stop I made was at Campus Bookmart so I could get some baby clothes for my granddaughter. Because I'm not going to run the risk of her uh, wearing some other kind of stuff. I even got her some socks. Campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So let's talk a little recruiting before we get out the door. A lot of people wondering, well, Steve, what's next? Well, I continue to hear that the Justin Wiley thing, he, he is going to announce within the next five weeks. His birthday is September the 22nd. I'm told he would really like to wait and announce then, but there has been a lot of discussion. And so last week I kind of teased that there were you know, a couple more commitments coming. Last week I was told by a source on the Mississippi Gulf Coast that Jacoby Moore was going to commit this week, and there was the chance that Justin Wiley could commit this week. So that people were asking me on a message board, that's your answer. And then, of course, Jacoby Moore commits over the weekend, and then Justin Wiley hadn't done anything yet. And so the source clearly on the mark about the first thing, and I suspect would be on the next one. And there's some chatter here that there could be a decision sooner rather than later. Justin Wiley, of course, defensive back out of the Iberville. You can read the latest with him on jeanspage.com right now. Paul Jones posted a story earlier having Wiley break down his four finalists of Baylor, Minnesota, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. In the end, it's a state Ole Miss deal, but Baylor's still in there. I don't see the kid going all the way to Minnesota, but Baylor has made it interesting. But based on everything that I'm hearing, I, I fully expect it to be Mississippi State. I know that Jaden Wally uh, is having a good experience here at Mississippi State, and I know that's been uh, favorable. You know, I know that helps, and I understand Jaden Wally has actually been recruiting his brother, and everybody's got to make their own decisions. But let's be honest. You think about your parents and what's best for everybody. Do you really want your mom and dad having to pick and choose where they go each weekend? I mean, honestly. You know, and then you got one parent that goes to see one brother and one goes to see the other. You know, it's a family celebration. And not to mention Mississippi State has made uh, Justin Wiley feel like a priority. So Ole Miss still in the mix there a little bit. But I believe it's going to be Mississippi State sooner rather than later. There have been several 
new offers extended to defensive end slash linebackers. We had talked about that recently on the show. For that second, that final linebacker spot, excuse me, they would be picky, and I believe they're extending offers to improve their to improve their options. There's a lot of prospects out there still figuring it out. Uh, I I've heard a lot about Jaden Jones. I've heard a lot about Demarcus Smith. There have been some new offers extended today, so I don't think we're in a big hurry to finalize the last safety spot or the last linebacker spot. Now, we are, of course, chasing some defensive ends. I still feel good about Ty Cooper at Louisville, but I will give Ole Miss credit. They have made that a lot more interesting than I thought they would. Ty is a guy that, uh, you know, grew up cheering for Mississippi State and, uh, you know, watched, you know, Fletcher Cox and Chris Jones and Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons, all those guys, uh, go to Mississippi State and go on to the NFL. And I think that will prove ultimately to be a big factor in his decision but he has some people close to him that are, that are close to Ole Miss. And so they, they've said, hey, listen, at least give Ole Miss a shot. You know what? That's part of recruiting in Mississippi. I still expect State to get Ty Cooper, but I don't think it's going to be maybe, – maybe, maybe that'd be tomorrow. You know, it, he's still talking about making a preseason decision. Uh, but if I had to call it today, I'd say State picks up Ty Cooper and Jaden Wiley uh, here within the next month or so. I think that'll happen. And then, of course, uh, that only leaves you with, about, you know, with six spots to work with the rest of the class, and we know that uh, three of those are going to go for offensive linemen, and then you've got to find your safety, and you've got to find your other backer, and you got to get, in, you know, one probably one more uh, player from there. And so the spots are precious, and there are a couple guys out there that I feel like probably know that uh, they're kind of on the clock a little bit. And sometimes, here's the deal, too. You know, coaches know how to play the game, too. So you extend some offers out there sometimes to create a sense of urgency. You know, so it's like, okay, you're our guy. But listen, we need to know something sooner rather than later. And then if this guy's dragging his feet, well, you know, as a coach, it, you're, you've got to you got to do your own due diligence, man. You got to go out there and find some other prospects because here's what happens: if that kid goes south on you, you've got to be able to fill that spot with somebody equally or more talented than he. And also, too, when all of a sudden these these offers start getting thrown around, now all of a sudden this guy thinks, well, wait a minute, if I really want to go to Mississippi State, I might want to make a decision. I don't know if I want to let this situation pass and let somebody else get that spot if that's what I really want to do. So it creates a sense of urgency and kind of puts guys in a decision-making process. And so there's always the social media game to be played. So I understand that, that those kids see that, trust me. Those kids are certainly well aware when other guys at their position are being offered. It's part of the deal. Because you know, here's the deal, too. Every time a kid gets an offer, they, they can't wait to share it with everybody, right? They do. And so – Sometimes it's a double-edged sword, if you know what I'm saying. So, again, it's part of the way things are played. Now, Eli Ritchie is a name we haven't talked a lot about on the show. He's an offensive line prospect out of Greensboro, Alabama, currently committed to Georgia Tech. Now, this is a small-town kid. You know, he's an ag kid. Based on what I'm hearing, it appears Mississippi State has really turned the heat up on him. Haven't pushed for commitment yet, but he is a guy now that is getting regular communications from Mississippi State. Uh, he is a guy that I believe is emerging as a priority on the offensive line. Of course, you've got two in-state guys already committed, and uh, Macklin Pounders and uh, Gabe Cavazos. And so now you've got to go out and get three other guys. Will there be another in-state commitment? Possibility. You know, Jim Riley, of course, at Tishomingo County. I know he is a guy that's under evaluation. He's a guy that definitely needs the season to be played. Because he's a guy that went from a wide receiver to a flex tight end to an attached tight end to basically playing some time at tackle. He's kind of grown his way into an offensive line position. So we need to kind of see what he does full-time as an OL. He's an aggressive guy, for sure. But he's still in the mix. And when you're going to take three, you're probably going to take another developmental guy. But uh, Eli Ritchie is one of those guys that uh, I think fits Mississippi State. He's taken multiple trips to campus. Uh, got to know Joe Moorhead and his staff, and there was a lot of talk that State might offer early with that staff. But now they've kind of worked their way back around, and then now the current staff is on him, and I think there's something to really watch there. So we'll see how that all kind of develops. So And then, you know, hopefully we've got some commitments to update uh, before we play football, and hopefully that means uh, here in the next couple of weeks because I, I fully expect us to play football September 26th. There are a lot of people out there, and I'm going to say this before we get out of here, and, and, and listen, people ask – it's funny. I wore my Starkville one shirt to town. I got a few of them yesterday. And somebody said, hey, where did you get that shirt? Go to StarkVillains.com. I have so many people. Every, just about every time I wear the shirt, people ask me, where did you get it? 
StarkVillains.com. You can get it black and white, maroon and white, and or any of the local school colors. And so I encourage you to do that. I can promise you your kids on casual Friday when they have to go, they'd much rather wear a Stark Villain shirt than whatever else you're buying them. So StarkVillains.com. So, but I've had so many people that say, listen, I get so sick and tired of these people saying this and these people saying that, and we're not going to play, we are going to play. Here's the deal. Nobody knows for sure. There's nothing to know at this point except for the fact that the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC, the AAC, and Conference USA, and the Sun Belt are all kind of moving forward on the same plan we were already on. There's no guarantee that we're going to play football. There's no guarantee that we're going to feel the way we feel today two weeks from now. There could be something bad happen. There could be something great happen. You know, hopefully the numbers continue to go downward and it eases the restrictions and that people can kind of, you know, slow down a little bit. But as I said on Wednesday, if you're the SEC and the numbers continue to get better and they continue to go down for the next month, I think you have no choice but to play then because how do you back out? How can you say then when the virus seems to be, you know, kind of ebbing and flowing in the right direction, how do you then come back and kind of walk the decision back and say, well, listen, yeah, the numbers are all better and the kids aren't as sick as we expect them to be, but we're not going to play. I think once we get through Labor Day, and again, I mentioned that earlier, Labor Day, I think by that time we're going to know what's happened with infection rates once kids get back to campus. And listen, if you look around the country, the numbers that are being released are very encouraging with incoming students coming back. Infection rates are very, very low. And so if that continues to happen, I think, again, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong today. What matters is who's right or wrong on game day. And if we can't play safely, we don't need to play. And that would be heartbreaking. But at the same time, too, what would be more heartbreaking is if one of our favorite players went out and played for us under the banner of Mississippi State and got sick and, and had a lifelong uh, issue as a result. And so that's why everybody's taking all these precautions. Because it's not just as simple as getting a cold. You know what I'm saying? For some people it is. But there are some extreme cases. And listen, I, you know, I've been told recently, I've got a lot of friends and people close to me that are in the healthcare profession say, hey, I mean, there are some people in the hospital that are younger than us that are really having to struggle to fight this thing. And so it's not as simple as some people would make it out to be. It's a very complex issue. I know many of you, you know, think, hey, it's, you make a decision, you stick with it. Well, when the variables keep changing, you've got to be, able, be willing to change your decision and have the courage to push ahead or, or hit the brakes. But I think right now Greg Sankey and the SEC look to be being responsible contrary to some national opinion because they pushed the season back to September 26, which gives everybody the chance to see how the influx of student population is going to affect infection rates. And then you make some decisions from there. That's why you don't have to go out and make a decision, you know, August the, the 8th. You don't have to go out there and do that. You don't have to rush. You know, the, 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 the quick decision is often the wrong decision. And I think what Greg Sankey and the SEC has done so far is right. And so, again, there's no need. We can always wait and cancel September 20th, right? We can gather another month of data. We can continue to test our student athletes. We can see how they behave and, and see how they operate under these new protocols. And once we get into fall camp and we'll see if they're spreading any kind of infection among themselves. But again, there's no need to rush out and make this decision in August. Let's just wait and see what happens. And we'll claim this week as a victory. Last week was not. We'll claim this one as a victory despite the fact that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 went out because we knew that was going to happen over the weekend. But remember how we felt last Friday. We were so excited to talk about Vanderbilt and Georgia, right? And before we could even get up for breakfast the next day, it's the forecast that we might lose college football entirely. And so, again, I think it's important. Let's just take it a day at a time and count each day as a victory. And we'll see what happens once we start stacking these days on top of each other. Mississippi State football camp is supposed to open on Monday. Hopefully we'll have some big news then. They're telling us we're going to do all interviews during camp virtually, which makes all of you happy, right? The last thing we need is some state media person coming around there and breathing on KJ Costello right no no we don't want any of that so gonna have Mike Leach a couple times a week 
we're going to have selected players. And uh, some people have asked me, well, Steve, aren't, how do you guys feel? I said, you guys just pick the players. At this point, I'll interview anybody. I think our fans are just eager to hear anything football-related from our players. We haven't heard from the players in forever and a day other than what they said on social media. And so we're ready to go, but that, that's how it'll be for a month, that we're all just going to kind of, you know, we'll get a few players and we'll talk about them, and you guys will be able to read about camp. And uh, one of the things I think is important, too, and I've talked to some of our guys in the media about this, I know initially there are going to be a lot of questions. Hey, how do you feel about the virus? Well, let me go ahead and give you the answer. They feel the same way about the virus that you and I do, and that's they don't want to catch it, and so they're doing what they can to be safe. But I'm looking forward to hearing K.J. Costello talk about his wide receivers and to hear uh, Zach Arnett talk about what the defense is looking like and how quickly they're picking it up. I'm ready to talk some football, and I hope you are, too. That's going to do it for today. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy your weekend. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.